The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. What a day. Uh, where to begin? Welcome to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berkland, K-State student, is with us today running the show. 537-1350 is our number. We got a lot to get to here in the show. We're on with you until 6 o'clock. K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor will join us at 520. It's been a while since we've been able to have him on because... For a lot of uh, Tuesdays recently, he's been busy with the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Get his uh, reaction to the Cats winning the Big 12, but not being able to be at AT AT&T Stadium for that game. That had to be tough. Oh, can't even imagine. Because he's into it anyway, right? There's no doubt about that. Loves the sideline stuff. He's there a lot. Yeah, it'll be interesting to... To grill him a little bit about that, if that's the right way to say it. That's the way I would do it. I'd be the sideline AD. I, I, you would? A sweet, yeah, that's great if I'm entertaining people, whatever. But if the game is going on, I want to be as much as I can, you know, like involved in the atmosphere. Sure. And if, you know, they're going to be down there in the field, absolutely take that opportunity to be on the field. Yeah, and this has been a good year to be on the field, right? Uh, Big 12 champs and getting ready for the Sugar Bowl, all good. Especially with seven sold-out games at Bill Center Family Stadium this year. But again, Gene Taylor will join us at 520-ish. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot of uh, K-State hoops today because, especially with, uh, you know, after that win against Incarnate Ward, I know they were down a couple of guys, but man, was I, I was very happy to see multiple things take place in that game yesterday at Bramlage. And we'll get to that here in, uh, later on this hour, probably coming up in the next segment. K-State has three All-Americans on its team this year. We're talking K-State football. But first, uh, man, multiple headlines today around college athletics that don't have anything to do with K-State, but does circulate around the Big 12. I think we'll lead off, Wyatt, with the big news from Austin, Texas today. And it was reported this morning and you know it's funny we we play back the dan patrick show and they air in the morning i'm not sure exactly the hours but we just played the second hour in the three o'clock hour and they were just starting to get the news of chris beard and what happened so texas men's basketball coach chris beard was arrested this morning on felony domestic violence charge one charge And so this is according to the police report in Austin, Texas. He was booked at 418 a.m. on a third degree charge of assault of a family, household member, impede breath circulation or strangulation. And he was released this afternoon at 244 from Travis County Jail after posting a cash bond of $10,000. And I I was reading some reaction. People thought $10,000, like, for a felony charge, that's nothing. Doing some research down in Texas, that is actually above average for a third-degree felony charge. On average, it's from $1,500 to $5,000. So $10,000 is a little bit more than the average bail on a on a third degree charge, but you know, I for Chris Beard, what the scary thing is, and I, I try really hard to be careful with this kind of stuff because I very much believe in you're innocent until proven guilty. I think that's very important. I mean, you know, 
the way our structure is when it comes to justice heavily relies on that. Yet, I think with the media coverage on on major stories and the way we we listen to that, and also I, I think our brains have just kind of been trained that way to where you you're judging these people right away. You just think they're in you're, they're obviously guilty. You're blaming them for for things they haven't gone to trial for yet. So, going to try to pump the brakes on that, but. Uh, this this charge actually can come to as much as ten years in prison. Mm-hmm. That that's where it does get very scary. Now his attorney has come out and said it's Perry Mil- Milton, who is a pretty big time lawyer down there in Austin, Texas, says that Chris Beard is one hundred percent innocent of these charges. He should have never been arrested. The complainant wants him released immediately. All charges dismissed. Uh, dismissed. It is truly inconceivable. So obviously this is a story that's. You know, really just getting going here. I mean, this is less than 24 hours from his arrest. Meanwhile, Texas plays tonight. Correct. At home against Rice at 7. And he was released, as you mentioned, just before 2.45 this afternoon and taken in at 4.18 this morning. So clearly um, a long night, overnight yeah. uh, into the morning and a long day. And again, let's let's kind of just say what you said again uh, and emphasize that this is a felony charge, but this is all it is at this particular point. We don't know a lot of the story yet, um, and I'm like you. I think a lot of times it's very easy to jump to conclusions. It's the human nature way, I think. But in this particular case, I think you have to let it play out, and we'll see you know, how it goes. But it's... it's um, I don't think I'm I'm overstating this in any way. It, it's certainly a black eye right now for the University of Texas and their basketball program with the with this happening, whether he ends up being guilty or innocent. It's it's a black eye. It just is. Yeah. It, what I mean by you know this story, it's it's going to take a long time for itself to you know work its way out or you know resolve itself and results to take place. If it goes to trial, it could be it could be dragged out for a long time mm-hmm. because if, if there's a lawsuit that takes place, I, there, there is so many layers now to the story, especially with the uh, the felony charge. But right now, I guess, as sports fans, we wonder, now what does Texas do? What does Chris Del Conte decide to do about this situation? And I, with this kind of a high-profile situation with Chris Beard, the head coach of Texas, and just sports in general, I think we've seen a lot of firings take place before – a lot of these cases are resolved, innocent or guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want the you know the bad publicity for your program, so you feel like this is something that needs to take place right away and, and get rid of them. But that hasn't happened yet. And common sense would tell you there is more than likely writing in his and all coaches' contracts at that level that if there are you know felony charges, right? You know those types of things. So that will also have to be again. Time will play this out. We'll see how it works. But I did hear Chip Brown, uh, who covers the University of Texas, um, say today that that he has checked and that language is indeed in the contract of Chris Beard at the University of Texas. So mark that down for whatever it may be worth, at least for today. So, yeah, obviously this is a story that's continuing to take place. And, boy, it comes at a time as well when Texas is just hot. Right now, even though they just recently lost to Illinois, but they're off to an amazing start, top 10 team, Mm -hmm. and now Chris Beard is facing a felony charge. So uh, I I think the Longhorn Network is going to get some ratings tonight. (laughs) If you have it, if you have the Longhorn Network, because they take on Rice at 7 o'clock. Now, 
Uh, why you you reminded me of this, and I remember seeing the tweet about this this morning, and then it completely got overshadowed because of Chris Beard, and that is according to Brett McMurphy, Action, Action Network has the uh, the article, and he says, "quote There is a growing sentiment of momentum for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big Twelve a year early and join the SEC in twenty four, and the Big 12's current grant of rights expires July first, twenty twenty five. So leaving a year early with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten in, in 2024, my simple opinion on this is like, the earlier the better. I'm totally fine with Texas and Oklahoma leaving in 24. I, I don't think it really changes our lives a whole lot other than it's just one last year of having 14 in the conference. Well, I will say this. I think this has kind of been something that has been talked about behind the scenes for months and months, to be honest. Um, I, I think it is a true possibility that next year will be the final year for Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. So what is happening really? Well, common sense tells you that there is a lot of money involved here with not only the SEC, the Big 12, and the television networks, Maybe they are at least talking about some type of give and take mm-hmm. on the, you know, the the buyout, so to speak, or the ability to walk a year early. It was reported, <clears throat> excuse me, what it was going to be eighty million per school to walk, you know, a year ago. Clearly, that didn't happen. What would it be now? Would it be reduced by several million? Chances are, maybe that could happen. Uh, so there's a lot of things happening, and uh, I, I just think this story, frankly, is going to carry on for, for a few more months. And I wouldn't be surprised at all, honestly, if, if it happens. I also have to be blunt and say wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen, but I'm leaning more towards what, the more we get on these kind of deals, you know they're talking. And um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they could come to some type of agreement with the television partners with both leagues and and have Oklahoma and Texas be able to walk uh, after 24, and then the Big 12 is what it is uh, starting in 25. Yeah, I think it was $84 million. I yeah. think that's where it's at. The exit fee was at $84 million Which is a lot. Per, school. per school. Yeah, But I, I think historically, if you were to leave on time, you're, you know, the league is more likely to just you know negotiate down or whatever, by 30 or 40%, whatever, negotiate that down and – it's also reported that you know if they were to do that, maybe Texas and Oklahoma could get out for sixty percent of that buyout, around fifty million dollars. I don't know. I guess it just depends on Brett Yormark and what he's willing to do to if he wants to get him out early. You know, what is he well willing to do? Yeah, there's again, there's a lot of. Let me emphasize this again. There are a lot of players at this table mm-hmm. or tables. They're probably not all at one table, but there is a lot of what I'll describe as crosstalk happening between networks, between leagues. I mean, you you have, I, I think just, and you mentioned USC-UCLA to the Big Ten. Where does that play into this with not so much with the Big 12, but with the TV partners with the Big Ten, the SEC, and, and then probably the Big 12? So there's a ton of stuff there underlying that has ripple effects out for, for virtually everybody in those three leagues and, and those television partners, which would be, what? Name them all. Um, ESPN, Fox, ABC, and on down the line. And then the other story in college football today is about Mike Leach. Yeah. 
And uh, I think I saw it, was it last night or maybe it was this morning, that the news started to get out there that he is not doing well all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. He is in cr- critical, condition, uh, critical condition there in Starkville. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen I, – I haven't seen any more details about that. Mississippi State did come out and mention that, yes, critical condition. His family's with him. He's still in the hospital. Thoughts and prayers and all that. Sure. And, uh, and they have said uh, through that statement released through the Mississippi State University that he did have a health issue overnight – um, and they're really not at this particular point until more is available, going to say a whole heck of a lot. And I get that. There's not necessarily a whole lot, but but kind of like what we talked about with Chris Beard, people you know, want to talk about these kind of things and want to know right away what, what the issue is. There's speculation that he had <clears throat> excuse me, a, a, a massive heart attack. Um, we don't know that for sure, uh, but that is the speculation at this point and that he is not doing well. And, uh, you know, he he was a coach in this league for a long time and a very successful one and one of the more unique personalities in uh, college football that I've had the opportunity to guys, guys to visit with. I mean, he, he is a unique, unique talent. Um, certainly we're, we're praying and hoping for, you know, uh, bounce back for him in in whatever way it might be. You just have to look at it like that. I think he, he's uh, he's a unique gentleman and a really really fine football coach. By the way, another thought on the uh, you know Texas and Oklahoma might be leaving. No, the college football playoff will go to twelve at, in twenty twenty four. Well, that's the factor that I didn't mention. Uh, but but let's be honest, it legitimately could be one of the biggest factors. True. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I think that is a pretty big factor to bring up. I kind of yeah. forgot about it there because that's just news that just you know recently changed mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. But of course, you know the Big Ten at that point will be at sixteen, and so the SEC could they grow another year by the time the playoff gets to twelve? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know. Ball's in a lot of courts right now. Let's put it that way. Big time. Uh, all right, so let's take a break. It is Wildcat Insider, right? We'll get to the Cats when we come back. We'll talk K State hoops after the break. The phone lines are open for most of the show. 785-537-1350 to call Wildcat Insider to talk to the voice of the Wildcats. Hall of Fame voice, Wyatt Thompson. I'm Mitch Fortner. Travion Berklin will be answering the phones for us. You'll hear from him first. Um, let's go to K-State Hoops. I was um, very happy about yesterday's game uh, for multiple reasons. As K-State beat Incarnate Word by the final score of 98 250. They used, as you heard in the Game Sports Update, a 23 nothing run to open up the second half to really blow things open after the, after the Cats were up 45-28 to after the first half. And this comes after as well, the Wildcats beating Abilene Christian at home earlier in the week, 81-64. to uh, First of all, and I didn't realize this, I would have figured K-State had beaten a few folks by... 45 to 50 points in the last 14, 15 years or so. The 48-point margin of victory was the 10th largest in school history and the largest since 2008. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised about that about that stat because, like I said before, I figured, you know, I'm sure Frank beat a couple of folks 
<laughs> by 50 plus. Uh, well, I don't know about 50 plus, but I, you know, that's and that's the interesting part of the stat we're talking about here because <clears throat> I think they've they've had a lot of games where it's 25, 30, 35, or mm-hmm. whatever. But you get up into that 45 and above, it's 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 a little bit hard to do uh, this day and age. Uh, and yet, um, yesterday they had what eighty seven with about six something to yeah. go. Yeah, I mean it could well, have been worse. Yeah, one at one point Casey was on pace to score, I believe, one hundred and fifteen points, mm-hmm. and that was because of the twenty three nothing run in the second half. And I I was convinced they were going to score triple digits. Sure, I've heard from a friend earlier today. His son cried because they didn't get a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, but you know, Coach Tang doing the right thing at the end of the game, just holding the boys. Hey. You guys, twenty-five seconds, just run this thing out. Let's take yeah. our forty-eight nothing win to the locker. They forty-eight a, point win to the yeah, locker room. Yeah, they had a couple of shots at it late. Nate Audrey missed one shot that I think he'd love to have back because he had a really good look. But then that last time that they brought it up the floor, I, I saw looked at Coach Tang right away, and he was yeah. telling him to hold it and dribble it out. And um, so, hey, I guess you live with ninety-eight and seven guys in double figures and all of the numbers that went with it, including all five starters. So it was a pretty good day at the office. Did I notice uh, Coach Tang was kind of sitting on the scores table in the in the second half, just kind of <laughs> relaxing? Yeah, yeah, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. And you know, there again, I know this was a team that that was a little bit overmatched, but you know, you think about fifty three points in the second half, and and probably could have pretty easily had you know sixty. I would say. Um, 26 assists on 39 made field goals is, is excellent. They only turn the ball over nine, and then they turn Incarnate Word over 20, and that uh, correlates into 28 K-State points. So they got a lot of points inside. They had, what, 48 in the paint. So a lot of good things. And I, I know you said a moment ago, and I'm sure you'll hit on a few of these things, but one of the things that I really loved about yesterday was Dorian Finister. Yes. And that's one of them. I'm just telling you he is going to be a really quality player here. He's long, he's athletic, he's smart, he has a really good feel for the game. He played at a pretty high level um, in high school um, in uh, the New Orleans area. And my goodness. <laughs> if if you look at his line, 21 minutes 56 seconds, 10 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, no turnovers. Plus twenty five, and he made four or five shots. It's it, do you do you know what his second highest game was, or his high point game was before yesterday? Two. That's, that's gonna, I was going to say three, but <laughs> so he he really. I guess the point is, is Coach Tang said on the radio show last Thursday that one of the things that he wanted to do between now and the start of conference play was give Dorian a little more uh, of a look, uh, some more minutes. And, boy, Dorian took that and ran with it, didn't he? Did a nice job. Yeah, he did. And kind of the moral of the story for me with this win against Incarnate Word, and Coach Tang kind of fired off the press conference right away by saying, like, hey, these guys are down a couple of dudes. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't get their best shot. But they could have easily played a me game, but they played a we game. They played as a team. And absolutely, they – I mean, 26 assists in the game is a fantastic number on 39 made field goals. Um, But – I guess where I want to start is actually Naquan Tomlin mm-hmm. because he had a very frustrating start to the game. He missed two dunks. 
And this is a guy that can emphatically drive in and dunk it. And we've seen him do it many times. As a matter of fact, that's how he finished the half with that the, the, the uh, missed shot. And then he comes back and dunks it LeBron James style with a second to go right before the buzzer. But he, I, I could tell he's getting frustrated, but finishing 7 of 9. He was 7 for 7 the rest of the game. <laughs> and he finished with 18 points plus... Uh, nine rebounds, so he was just a rebound away from a, a double-double, and I love seeing that. I mean, the, the moral, again, to me, was like, this is a game these guys needed, especially offensively. Three-point range. The previous five games for K-State from three-point range before Incarnate Word, in each of the five games, they shot under 27% mm-hmm. from three-point range. They were needing a breakout game, just knocking down threes, three after three after three, and they hit 12 of 26 against Incarnate Word. I thought that was really important. Try to get some of that deep ball mojo back. They they still score very well in the paint. They had over 50 points in the paint against Abilene Christian, mm-hmm. but knocking down a couple of three-pointers, that, that's a next-level type of momentum and confidence builder. Well, you always hear coaches say good threes as opposed to bad, right? And I think a lot of good threes, not all, but a lot of them come through paint touches. Okay, and ball reversal, and I think we saw that a lot. We'll, I'll remind you here that we just mentioned K State had 48 points in the paint, so that kind of sucks in that defense towards the middle and towards the lane, right? And here's the impressive thing: they were 12 of 26 from three, and Desi was just one for five. And probably four of those five were really good looks that he's going to make quite a few of the of, of times. And I mean. Gasan hit one. Keontae was three out of five. Naquan hit his. Keese goes two for three. Cam was one for four. Tyke was zero for three, and Desi one for five. But Dorian was two for two. Ish was one for two. That's all pretty darn good shooting from that distance. And you hope you know Desi Hill. Desi Sills knocking down that three. Hopefully that takes the lid off the basket for him. He. Somebody who had been shooting, what was it, 34 percent through college prior to coming to K State from three point range. And he was like two of twenty. Yeah, I, I think heading he, into this game. Yeah, he's three for twenty-two this year from okay. three. And to put that into perspective, that's fourteen percent. Yeah. But in his career, he's at thirty-two percent. So it's okay. not a fabulous, not horrible. But, but yeah. yet he's made a hundred and thirty-two. Yeah. And th- this is a guy that's a twelve hundred point scorer, twelve hundred and three points after getting the fourteen yesterday. I I really like his game. He plays. Always with very little emotion. Um, he, he's very calm and and not much shakes him. I mean, he's he's been around a long, long time, man. He's played 136 college games. I, I just thought he was a really good pickup, and I don't think he's even where he's going to end up being yet. I, I think there's more there for Desi. Another player I wanted to bring up that I was I, I've just been so happy with, David Gasson. Oh, sure. So I, I know defensively he had a rough game against Butler. Uh, the guy he had to try to guard, it, it was not a good night. Uh, well, that I, dude's I'll, pretty good too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, do you remember yeah. his name? I don't recall his I'll name. I'll look. Yeah, but it, anyway, yeah, he – He was big. He it, was athletic. Anybody you tried to put up against him, it was just – it was going to be tough. Yeah, very big, very athletic. But David Gasson, he, he, again, another perfect night. He was 5 for 5. He made a three-pointer with – 12 points, he had an assist, a couple of rebounds. But he is now he has built some really good consistency. And when he gets the ball, and coach brought this up after the game, you know, he mentioned where 
when it comes to who was he talking about? Was he talking about Desi or maybe Dorian? He he mentioned something about, um, you know, I think it was Desi, where Desi just plays in his head too much. And in other words, he's probably thinking too much about what he does. He's thinking about the negative reaction if he doesn't do something right. That used to be David Gasson, mm-hmm. but that's not the way he operates anymore. He gets the ball, and he goes and scores the thing. And he is so athletic with his moves to the hoop, and he moves really fast. I mean, he, he is uh, he's fast. He's uh, athletic. Well, he's a rim runner, yeah. you know, and he's, he's long and athletic, and he can run. He, and, and the thing that you've, you've seen, I think, so far through the first 10 games, he has very good hands. There were a couple of catches and finishes that he has made. Do you realize that in the last two games he hasn't missed a shot? He's 14 for 14 from the field. <laughs> the guy you were wondering about was, <clears throat> excuse me, Manny Bates of Butler. He had 22 right. and 10 in that game. Yeah, Long and athletic. He was a stud. In the last four games, do you know how many shots David Kassan, field goal attempts, how many he's missed? In how many games? In the last four. Last four. Not sure, but not many. One. Really? He is 21 of 22. Yeah, because he was 9 for 9 the other night and then 5 for 5 yesterday. The one miss was a three-pointer. And uh, so, if he's going to the hoop, yeah, and if he's not fouled, he, he gets a shot to put. He gets a chance to put it up there. He's going to score it. But he's also he's also in the last five, averaging thirteen points, four rebounds, and he just also in this. I think this is very key as well. Just one turnover mm-hmm. in the last four games combined. Yeah. Well, again, that goes back to just you know his experience, his his ability to. I mean, how many times did you see he and Naquan dribble up the floor yesterday? Yeah, that's yeah. the one thing about these guys that I think gets a little bit overlooked, and I I still think, you know, hey, it, it's obvious to say it's a work in progress with this bunch just because they've only played you know ten, eleven games together, including the exhibition, but but you can see the improvement starting to happen on the offensive side, better shots, better movement, um, more paint touches, you know, and they they didn't really play very well at Butler. And I think they settled for threes early. That was probably a a learning lesson there uh, in a bad way. You never <laughs> you never want to lose, but 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 sometimes it can help. Believe it or not. But I just I just and again the competition is not the same. We all understand that. But uh, I I do think this team is continuing to kind of feel and find itself a little bit, and that's that's a good thing. They needed one to just go kick the crap out of somebody. Uh-huh. I, I think that's what I, I think that was a shot in the arm the team needed because you know I just, there's a couple of things I haven't been happy about. Just you know my personal feeling about it, and, you know guarding three point shooters and and coach mentioned that you know, it's just the way they guard. Obviously, they're going to have to change some things up when the competition gets harder. Probably starting this Saturday against Nebraska, a team that's you know just a game above five hundred. But man, have they been very competitive against top fifteen teams the last three games? They even won one of those uh, that game in sat- Saturday against Nebraska. That and just I me mean, free throw shooting. I, I think there's I don't I don't know what it is. Just it's not great right now. Well. Let's back up a little bit because if you look at the last couple of games, they were 8 of 14 yesterday, okay? They were only 16 of 29 against Abilene Christian. Mm-hmm. Let me get the, my trusty sheets out here. Against Wichita State, they very also well struggled. They were 13 of 21, which mm-hmm. isn't terrible, certainly, but I, I think they're they're certainly capable of that. But before that... 
they had uh, they were twelve. Let's see. Let me check that. They they were only two out of three at Butler, but in that tournament, um, they were seventeen of twenty one against LSU. They were twenty two of twenty eight against Nevada, and they were fourteen of eighteen against Rhode Island. And at that particular point, they were like 76-ish percent as a team. I'm not saying they're a 76% shooting free throw team through 30 or 35 games, but I'm hoping that they become a little bit more consistent because I think they can be, like right now I can tell you as a team, they're at 72%. I think they can be a couple of two or three notches above that. Right, I, I just don't like just seeing it trending, yeah, trending yeah. downwards, especially right. when you're about to get into some pretty tough competition. Big Twelve play is right around the corner. You know, just you know, if it's a you know four point game and you got 45 seconds left and they start fouling, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's hard to buy right now a two for two trip at the free throw line. Those those haven't ha- been happening very often lately, but um, Cats are nine and one, and then that's the best start by a first year head coach in K State. Men's basketball history. Yeah. Remember when we were talking about all of the turnovers early? That's kind of gone away. Knock on wood. As a matter of fact, I, I, <laughs> that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Thank you for reminding me about that because I think in the last three games, they've just been averaging nine turnovers a game. Yeah, that's uh, their goal is 11 or less. Yeah. And they'll, they'll be, they will tell you that. Yesterday, they turned the ball over nine times against Abilene Christian. They had 12. So there's some progress there. And I think it's better possessions. I think they're getting better shots, and that that helps. And again, I think it's all about you know, def- and they've done this too. Um, you know, when when Bebe went down, and then Ish missed a couple of games with with a foot injury, Dorian wasn't seeing a lot of time. You're, you're basically looking about at about a six seven man rotation. I think they would prefer to have that to you know eight or nine, and Bebe's close. I, I I would tell you it's not a certainty, but I think there's a chance that he could play some against Nebraska, and to this particular point, he's missed the last four, so it'll probably take him a little bit of time. But again, this is another guy, uh, kind of like Desi, who's played a lot. He he plays under control. He's not a real big scorer, but could be a pretty solid rebounder and defender for them and, and a backup five-man to to Gasson, who's really starting to kind of come around. So you'd like to see that guy get get back in there before conference season rolls around and we're running out of games. Not too many games left. There's only, what, Nebraska, Radford before yep. conference play. Yeah, I think that, is, that, is that really it? Yeah. I have to double-check. I'll, I'll double-check during the break because uh, I could find out right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they, they uh, play Nebraska Saturday, right. play Radford next Wednesday, and then they're off West until, Virginia. And yeah. West Virginia on uh, New Year's Eve. And, of course, Florida comes into town late in January. So, mm-hmm. yeah, three non-con left before – yeah, yeah, it's going to ramp up here very quickly. Nebraska is not a team to uh, ignore. Sure. Uh, even though they have not been very good for a while. Uh, and they're – I mean – Records. We'll get to a preview of the Nebraska Cornhuskers a little bit later, but a six and five team. They're better than what their record says. Let's just put it that way. Well, they pushed Purdue, who just moved yeah. up to number one to overtime in Lincoln on Saturday, and had a real shot. They yeah, lost sixty five sixty two, but they're they're probably better than you think they are, and they're better than they were last year, without a doubt. No question about that. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll jump into a little bit of football because the Cats have three All Americans this season. Up next.
We continue with Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berklin is running the board today. If you want to watch Chris Beer leave Travis County Jail, you can check out my Twitter account at Mitch the Ford and watch that. It's a clip of about 45 seconds. He remained silent, did not say a word. Also left with his attorney. Uh, somebody asked the question, Coach, will you be coaching tonight? I can answer that for you. No. <laughs> he will not. I'd, I w- I'd be shocked if he was. So let me get this straight. You put that on your Twitter today. Uh-huh. Because? It's entertaining. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it is. It, okay. You know, it's just, you know. I don't post a lot of, like, opinionated stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. This isn't opinionated. I'm just sharing the news. Okay. I think people will find it interesting. I mean, it's, the video's already got over 300 retweets. I'm surprised it actually doesn't have more than that. But if you haven't heard, Chris Beard, head coach of the Texas Longhorns, arrested this morning at he was and booked at 4.18 in the morning on third-degree charge of assault of a family household member impede breath circulation or strangulation. Third-degree felony. $10,000 bond he was released on at 244 this afternoon. It's a charge that faces as high as 10 years in prison. Uh, and by the way, Texas plays Rice tonight at – what's the new arena called? Moody. Is it, okay. Mm-hmm. 7 o'clock, that's on the Longhorn Network, which most of us don't have. Anyway, Gene Taylor, K-State Athletic Director, set to join us at 525. Jump into K-State football. First Saturday since uh, before TCU. We haven't had any K-State football we are 18 days away from the Sugar Bowl, and again, I think I'm the most excited person to be going to New Orleans. It's the combination. New Orleans, the food, the culture, the architecture, and also K-State just happens to be playing a game down there against the dynasty of my generation of college football You know, into the 2000s as an adult, the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, great opportunity, isn't it? I mean, Alabama's 10-2 and and what's really been a year where they felt like they should be a playoff team but weren't. Lost a couple of games very, very late, won in overtime. K-State's had a terrific year. They've won 10 games, won the Big 12, beat TCU in a fabulous championship game. So I'm like you, I can't wait. It's a, it's a terrific city uh, to visit and, and spend a few days there um, ahead of the game and maybe for some a day or two after, who knows. New Year's Eve in New Orleans – most people could probably make that work, right? I Yes. I, I can speak for myself. Uh, I can make months probably work. But uh, I have a cousin that's been living there for about a decade now, and um, I'd love to get him on the show. I, I need him on, who has lived there for a while, to tell you guys the do's and don'ts, what you got to do while you're down there. Sure. Get a uh, somebody who's been living there, get their opinion. And also Marco Bourne. Uh, Coach Ting was telling us that Marco Bourne from the staff, that uh, – if you want to know anything about New Orleans, talk he's, to that guy. Oh, he's definitely the guy. There's no doubt about that. Um, kind of born and raised in that area. He he is he. I mean, you mentioned last week your your love for the place, and you've been there, and you kind of have a pretty good sense and feel for it. Uh, this would be the next level up, certainly. Um, I actually a little self promotion here, I guess. I, I talked to the lieutenant governor of the great state of Louisiana today. And uh, he kind of wants to do a little preview uh, for us. Uh, I'm going to play that uh, probably 
sometime either at pregame or halftime of the Nebraska game on Saturday. Okay. And he's going to talk a lot about um, the state and New Orleans and what it means for them to host the Sugar Bowl. It's kind of a cool, really, really nice man. Uh, I only bring it up because um, if, if you don't know that much about it, scout it out. Uh, there's, like what you've talked about, there's tons and tons of things to do, great places to eat. Should be a heck of a heck of a time for all K Staters, and well, I've talked to so so many. They're going, haven't you? I mean, everybody that I know, I think's going. <laughs> well, for my my interaction with everybody that I know I, I know is going, yeah, is just trying to figure out how to get there. That sure. that's the that's battle. the hard part. That's the hard part because mm-hmm. it's the game is on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna probably get there before, and then you're probably not going to leave. Until after, mm-hmm. well, after you know is the first of the year, and those airlines are saying, "Oh, you're uh, you're celebrating New Year's Eve in New Orleans, are you? Well, we're going to charge you double," and that's exactly what's happening. As sure. a matter of fact, it's I've seen the airline pl- prices, and I know what it's what it is to fly usually to New Orleans. It's more than double. Oh, I, I'm not surprised it's not triple, to be honest. But that's, that's how they make their money, and I get it. But I still think, despite that, you'll see a ton of K-Staters there. I think a lot of people will take an extra day, day and a half or two, and drive. Um, at least that's my sense. I don't really have any real feel for that, but I think a lot of people are going to drive. It's about 14, out, 14, 14 and a half from Manhattan. It's about 13-ish from Kansas City. Okay. I think it's about the same from Wichita. So it's going to be a drive. Oh, yeah. It really is. Sure. But, uh, you know, driving through Louisiana, it's not as boring as a lot of other so states. So from Memphis, because uh, Memphis was nine hours maybe? Eight? Yes. Yeah. About nine. nine. Yeah. I've done two so Manhattan. It's four more from there. It's about five. About five. From okay. here in Manhattan. Okay. Because okay. I've done the trip. I've done driving from Manhattan to New Orleans twice. Okay. And back twice. Uh, once kind of went through, down through Missouri, down through Arkansas, and kind of down through like Shreveport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shreveport's a cool town. And um, then the other one was we broke it up. Nine hours to Memphis and do the next five through Mississippi. Mississippi's a dump. There's nothing to see. Just <laughs> drive right through. Although it did have a great Whataburger. I will say that in Jackson. Um, but um, I guess we'll get to the uh, All-Americans here. because. Uh, but it is a long drive. Yeah. It's a long drive, but to me it's worth it. And I'll give you the argument that I've given to others. How often are you going to get to see K-State play Alabama? How often are you going to see K-State play in the Sugar Bowl in yeah. New Orleans? New Year's Six Bowl game, that's 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 pretty special. It's really cool. I won't point this out as well. Uh, Cats do play Tulane in New Orleans in a couple of years. That's truth. It's probably going to be a lot cheaper to go to that trip. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, But uh, you know what? You, you, you spend your money on what you want to spend it on. I'll put it that way. But this trip... New Year's Eve, Sugar Bowl, Alabama, K-State, it's going to be absolutely worth it. It's hard to replace memories if you don't make them in the first place, okay? You can replace money. Money will come back sometime. I don't know if that made any sense, but I hope it did. (laughs) I hope you understand my point. Um, Okay, so... Maybe I just was like a philosopher and just gave you the quote of the century. I don't there know. There you go. Who knows? Uh, all right. So All-Americans, I think the three that popped up as All-Americans in multiple outlets um, won't surprise anybody. Um, so Felix Indyke Uzama got the most attention. Lot Impact Player of the Year finalist, uh, which was awarded, I believe, last night, wasn't it? Correct. And uh, that went to Will Anderson of Alabama. So 
There we go. And sent Who also Felix. won the Nagurski for the second year in a row. So Felix from Walter Camp, All-American second team. He's the first cat since Dalton Reisner to be honored by the Walter Camp All-American uh, outlet. Football Riders Association of America, Felix, second team selection. And then Felix was also AP third team. Deuce Vaughn was Associated Press first team All-American as an all-purpose player. Cooper Beebe, AP second team. Wow. So K-State has three All-Americans on its team. They also just happen to be the same three that were just kind of uh, waiting to see. Do they decide to leave early and try their, the NFL draft process? I mean, there's really no try. you you got to be committed if you decide to do so and try to play at the next level right away, or you know, do they come back next year? And I think waiting on those three to make those decisions, which I'm like, guys, you take your time. This is a big decision to make. Oh, yeah. And so uh, – but it also, you know, will kind of determine, you know, are we thinking Big Twelve championship possibility next year, or you know, maybe kind of a take a step back, rebuild a little bit, and then get back into it in a, another year or two. But I know Coach Kleiman wants to go back to back, no matter who's on this roster. Oh, for sure. And and you know, you could you could make an argument for those guys coming back or heading out. Mm-hmm. Um, all three are very very fine young men who are. Huh, Clearly developed into big-time talents and big-time football players for the Cats, and that's exciting. Well, coming up in hour number two, we're going to be joined by K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor. we got to catch up with old Gene on what's going on with K-State Athletics, not just in football, but also in other sports as well. Preview of the Nebraska Cornhuskers, the Wildcat Classic, coming up Saturday at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City with a 6 o'clock tip-off. Hour two of Wildcat Insider is coming up next.